So, in terms of tonight, yes, yes for me, yes and yes. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report. Comic-Con has come to a close and we have tons of stuff to talk about, but we know we're going to be talking about this as an ongoing thing. So whatever we don't cover tonight, we'll just hit next week, maybe the next week after that. So my name is Drew. I'll be your host for this evening. Along with me, as always, is Pete. Hey, everybody. And Ryan, our producer extraordinaire. Good evening. Oh, Ryan wasn't as silent as he was last week. (laughs) Uh, so let's start this off with, um, we, lately, past couple episodes have been very comic book heavy, Peter, and I know we're going to be talking about this stuff because it's all about talking yeah. about stuff we love, but we also want everyone to understand that we're going to be talking about lots of things on this podcast. For sure. So tonight, because it's very comic book heavy, again, only because Comic-Con just happened, we started the podcast at a very odd time when mm-hmm. Comic-Con was hitting us heavy. So... Let's uh, let's talk about the big ones. We had Marvel. Marvel and DC are the two big comic book companies, mm-hmm. and Marvel completely skips out of Comic Con. Yeah. <laughs> okay, which is awesome for DC. I feel like every mm-hmm. time DC makes a big announcement, hey, here's the Batman Superman trailer, and then Marvel's like, but this is our trailer. Yeah. Or hey, we're releasing this movie, and then Marvel goes, hey, but here's our movie. Like mm-hmm. DC almost seems like they can't catch a break, and yeah. suddenly here was Marvel not showing up. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I'm assuming they're trying to keep their movies secret right now because of how Infinity War ended. Yeah. But Marvel not being there let DC thrive. have the spotlight, and they thrived. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, they deserved to thrive. This was like DC getting their moment, and they came in swinging hard. Mm-hmm. Not just with the DC Universe stuff, but then look at all the CW announcements and that was CW was almost all trailer 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 for all their shows and you know some panels with the actors and things mm-hmm. but then they came in hard with two big trailers one was exactly. a full trailer and one was let's talk about Shazam first okay because Shazam was a um it's it's an early trailer okay so there's yeah. no action they didn't have anything they could show so it was really more of a comedic trailer. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't think of it that way, but I, I understand what you're saying. Right. I just have a feeling there wasn't enough edited stuff, mm-hmm. so they were like, let's show the funny side of this because DC's been known to be a dark universe. Yeah. Very darker uh, tone thing. Yeah, I kind of saw it as they were showing what makes Shazam stand out is that he's a 14-year-old boy or a younger teenager, teenager preteen boy, depending on what version of it is in the body of a full-grown superhero and i think that shows like what is unique about him because if it was just shazam flying around punching things it would just like be like how is that different than man of steel or something like that so right well it showed that it was almost like if tom hanks was in the movie big and he got superpowers this is (laughs) what it would be Mm -hmm. which is really funny but shazam is a very serious he he can be a very serious character and they haven't had the time to show that yet and Mm -hmm. i just think it's because they're not ready to show it yet yeah in terms of editing so, yeah, uh, I, think I, I thought Shazam looked great. The costume looked great. Mm-hmm. Zachary Levi, after seeing the trailer, like, fantastic. Like, yeah. it's just great casting. I think, yeah, I think they uh, really captured the spirit of Shazam. Like, I was, I like Shazam being goofy because it is a younger boy becoming him. But I think that uh, as long as at the serious moments of the movie, if he's not joking the whole way through, I think it's going to be good. So I have high hopes and I'm excited. Right. Uh, so let's talk about the big one. <laughs> the big one. The big one. And uh, this is Aquaman. They they released an Aquaman trailer. And mm-hmm. before we just say anything about the trailer, what I think is interesting is that Aquaman has been over the years almost like the joke of DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who lives underwater, talks to fish, and he's worn a goofy outfit over the years. If you go back to like yeah. classic Aquaman, it's always been like, what is this about? The because he's been a joke character, 
I don't think a lot of people have taken him seriously. And when Zack Snyder was doing Batman and Superman and they had the little Aquaman thing in the movie yeah. and then you put Aquaman in Justice League, Zack Snyder had a tweet um, years ago when they were putting together Justice League that said, a lot of you guys don't understand Aquaman. Mm-hmm. His the, his trident can cut the skin of a Kryptonian. Yeah. He can swim up at the speed of Mach 2 in the water. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's, that's kind of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't really know much. Yeah. So... Go ahead. Oh, to me, I always really uh, gravitated towards the 90s Aquaman, where he's like has a black outfit. He looks really cool. He looks pretty like when tough he's got and, when he's got his missing hand with the yep, hook. Yeah, he's, he's got, got a hook, hook and long hair. And I kind of feel like uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman's uh, inspired by that a little bit. So I always thought that Aquaman was pretty badass. But I uh, I do understand. If you watch, like, Super Friends, for example, they make Aquaman seem very corny, and I think that kind of gave uh, Aquaman him Aquaman has these moments while. where he is corny, and he's got these moments where he's mm-hmm. really freaking cool. Yeah. The big thing with Aquaman is it seems like Jason Momoa's got this amalgamation of all the different versions yeah. of Aquaman rolled mm-hmm. into one. In Justice League, you don't actually see him in, like, the classic Aquaman shirt. Right. But there's a shot in the new trailer where it almost looks like they took that classic Aquaman look and made it armored. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe we're actually going to get that Aquaman that we all know or that we we have Mm -hmm. known. So, that being aside, this trailer (coughs) was, like, magical. Yeah, it was awesome. Like... And 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 I, I don't want to jump on the fact that you use the word awesome, but like not yeah. just awesome. Like this is a trailer that showed me something I had <laughs> never seen before. <laughs> yes, Ryan's pulling up an Aquaman <laughs> Halloween costume, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> <And Ryan, laughs> yeah, but no, this it look it looked like something I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole point of going to movies. Is like we went to see. If you look at summer blockbusters, go back to uh, Superman the movie. Mm-hmm. No one had ever flown in a movie before. Right. Christopher Reeves flies for the first time in a movie. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you got Jaws. That comes out and you got the big, you know, the robotic mm-hmm. shark. And then you got, you know, Star Wars. No one had ever seen that on screen before. Mm-hmm. Flash forward a little farther and you get like Titanic. You get Speed. Uh, they jumped a bus. What? Mm-hmm. That made everyone go to the theater because everyone wanted to see what that yeah. was about. Movies should always show you something you've never seen. Yeah, that's... And when I watched this Aquaman trailer, I'm like, this is a world that... I'm like, yes to all of it. Yeah, it looks awesome. It Like, they're staying true to the comics. They're doing... I mean, I mentioned this last episode, but people are riding sharks and giant seahorses. Like, it's really cool. They're not pulling any punches when it goes to doing the weird, unusual stuff in the comics. And that's the thing. The goofiness of Aquaman riding the sharks and the giant seahorses... Mm -hmm. For them to go, for them to have uh, the balls, basically, to say, you know what, we're just going to give you exactly what this mm-hmm. is, and we're not going to pull any punches. Yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to take anything out. We're just going to give you everything you've always known. Here yeah. it is. That's fantastic, and that's the kind of risks I'd rather have DC make than any oh. other type of risk. Yeah, I love it. So, um, I also wanted to mention they. I like how they're just going. Yeah, they can talk underwater. Deal with it. Like, it's <laughs> right. like if you can breathe water, I think it well, isn't that far-fetched that you could talk underwater. So, so I mean. in Justice League, the scene with Mira and Aquaman where she created that bubble mm-hmm. and then they were in the bubble and talked. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a window into what we were going to get with Aquaman. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's how they're going to handle the talking underwater. Yeah. That's awesome. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just it's so it's such a cool trailer and I'm just so much more excited for that movie. Oh yeah, I'm pumped. I will point out for anyone who wants to maybe do their own research and read for those people who actually read comics that are listening to this, <laughs> it appears that they're doing the Justice League Throne of Atlantis story arc. Okay. It that's just what I that's the vibe mm-hmm. I got from the trailer in terms of the story that they're trying to go with. So if you do want to pull up the comic books, go to the comic book store, go to your library. You could probably... It's called Justice League Throne of Atlantis. It's from the New 52 um, run yeah. that DC did. It's funny. I've read that arc, but I don't remember it too well. But I also have the animated movie, so I could, I'll probably read it. Yeah, they did do an animated adaptation, yeah. but the Throne of Atlantis story arc, that's that's, mm-hmm. a, that's what it looks like they're going for. Okay. Nice. All right. So, uh, let's talk about some actual comic book news. <laughs> Fair Peter, enough. I've been dying to bring this up. So. <laughs> okay. 
when I heard this, I was like, I just got excited and I wanted to hear your take on this. So in the world of comic books, mm-hmm. they're bringing into Superman, Brian Michael Bendis used to write for Marvel Comics, and now yeah. he's writing for DC and he's taking over Superman. He is bringing into co- Superman Nuclear Man. Yep. From Superman yeah. Ford. You have heard about this? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard about it. I've actually okay. seen uh, some artwork, like a sketch of how he's going to look, and it looks pretty cool. Okay, so if you don't know, Superman 4 came out. It's, the movie came out a while ago. It's got very mixed reviews. Some people don't like it. I actually liked Superman 4. Mm-hmm. The villain in Superman <coughs> 4 clearly is Lex Luthor, but he creates this super being using some of Superman's DNA, and they create a being known as Nuclear Man. Mm. So... What I liked about Superman 4 is Superman punched something. So. <laughs> um, yeah, Superman 4 is actually... I like it a lot, but... It is um, 90 minutes, though. So I, the way I feel about <laughs> Superman 4 is pretty similar to how I feel about X-Men Origins Wolverine, where I like the story a lot. I think there's a lot of choices they made that are kind of dumb in the movie, but overall, I think it's pretty good. It it feels more like a Superman story than Superman 3 in a lot of ways. Very um, much so. And it's action-packed. It's fun. It's I don't know if you watched the Ryan. Did so. you watch any of those original Superman? Is that the one that came out when we were young? Yeah, like the Christopher <laughs> Reeve stuff? Totally. But that Superman 4 is the one with the nuclear arms yeah. race where he was collecting all the missiles. I remember that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's... I'm pretty excited. I want to see what they're going to do with him. I kind of am a little disappointed because in the back of my head I always had this thought like... If I ever, I mean, such a long shot, but if I ever had the chance to write a Superman comic that would actually be published, I'm like, I'd gotta, I gotta throw Nuclear Man in there somehow, because <laughs> right. I grew up, as you know, when I was young, I used to watch Superman 4 on repeat, just because my parents had it taped, and, uh, you know, that was my first Superman villain I was really exposed to, besides Lex, so. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just, I just think it's a really cool choice for mm-hmm. them to do that. So, um, and I, I, th- I think his character's design's pretty cool, too. It's just the movie maybe didn't do him justice in, like, the fact that, like, unless the sh- sun's shining directly on him, he can't move and stuff like that. It was kind of weird, but we'll see how they do it. Yeah. So, another piece of comic book news that caught my attention, which I got kind of excited about, was Grant Morrison, who he's most... I guess he's probably best known for his run on Justice League he did in the late 90s. Yeah. Um, where he's, he was actually put a team together that encompassed like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the big hitters, because before that Justice League was not those characters. He so, also did um like All Star Superman, which is awesome, and then he was uh did the first action comics arc on the new fifty two, which that one's really cool too. Yeah, he's Grant Morrison's been around for a while doing a lot of different things. He's did like the Batman uh rip uh book. Um but he is going to be attacking uh Green Lantern. And he's said that he wants to make it more of a space cop kind of a thing. Like, the Green Lantern Corps is, like, their space police, basically. Yeah. And instead of making... Because since Green Lantern Rebirth, Green Lantern has been a character that is... It's always been, like, end-of-the-universe type threats, Mm -hmm. one after another. Yeah. Which, some of them are fun. Like, Blackest Night is is fantastic. That's an Mm -hmm. astounding book. Yeah. But it's always been like this end of the universe kind yeah. of thing, and he wants and Grant Morrison said he wants to make it more of a smaller, uh, scaled yeah. story, which is I think is really cool. Green Lantern's always been a favorite of mine, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's awesome. I just thought that was pretty cool. Did you see anything specific at Comic Con that? Um, so the other big one that I was really excited about is probably the Justice League, or I'm sorry, Young Justice Outsiders trailer, um, which I know, uh, Drew watched right before we started recording yeah, today. Yeah, Peter walks in and goes, hey, did you watch Young Justice? And I go, no, I should probably watch that before I do the show. <laughs> so, uh, one thing that's really funny is in this trailer, the first half of it just goes over the end of, uh, season two before the original Young Justice series was canceled, um... And it's funny because rewatching it, there's a really shocking part that I actually forgot about. So when I was watching it, I was like, wait, what's going on? And then a few like shots later, I'm like, oh, right, this is season two. I'm an idiot. But uh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, a lot of people don't, there's been a lot of shows that have been saved, like Clone Wars is coming back, Young Justice yeah. is coming back. So Young Justice got canceled after two seasons and they decided to bring it back for a third season, which mm-hmm. is great. So that's, I, all the DC animated stuff has been like fan, 
just all home runs, you know. Mm-hmm. So Young Justice, I think it's actually my favorite DC animated series. Um, I think I've, in a lot of ways, it's like one of the most adult ones, which sounds weird, but it kind of is the way it's written. And um, oh yeah, just when it was on, it was probably my favorite show when it was running. So I'm just super excited about it. So all right. Well, let's uh, let's take a move off of comic stuff for a second. There's two things that I thought I uh, saw at Comic Con that were not comic book related. One was the Oroville. Do you guys watch that show? No. Did you guys check that out at all? No. Oh yeah. Yeah, the Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. The Seth I knew it's MacFarlane, like I wanted pseudo, to watch it, but I never pseudo <laughs> Star it. Trek. So you got Seth MacFarlane, creator, Family Guy, decides he's going to go make a Star Trek. Sh- Ask show mm-hmm. and if you watch it it feels very much like Galaxy Quest the movie just on yeah. television show form <laughs> so it's Family Guy humor as Star Trek and I'm watching it and I was like this is much more Star Trek than the most recent Star Trek like Star <laughs> Trek like, show. show like okay. Star Trek Discovery I was honestly excited for until they said that it was going to be on the C- CBS Pay For Network, mm-hmm. and then I realized I was like, "Well, I'm not going to watch it because I'm not going to get the CBS Pay For right. app for one show." Mm-hmm. So, and they like that wasn't. I just thought that was a big misstep. Like, yeah. no, put it out and then put it on your app later. Mm-hmm. But the Star Trek Discovery, it just got. It's it's it seems like when you listen to how people have talked about it review wise, it just completely seemed like it's a mess. Okay. But then I go and I watch Orville, and it's doing everything a Star Trek show should, and throwing in the Family Guy humor. Nice. It's really funny. <laughs> nice. Well, the trailer for Orville was released at Comic-Con for season two. It looks great. starts in December. I'm really excited. If you like Star Trek or like anything space-related, mm-hmm. uh, you should check it out. So okay. it's yeah. just, I just thought it was a really funny show. So. Yeah. It was on my list. I just kind of forgot it kind of got lost in the shuffle but i'm glad for the reminder well i just i just gave it a shot in the dark kind of try i was like Mm -hmm. well let's see i like space stuff and when star wars released in 1977 it it was like the space boom yeah and suddenly everything was space blade runner and aliens and star trek hit the hit you know, mm-hmm. Star Trek came back on TV. Flash and, Gordon. And, and, uh, Flash Gordon, and you had Stargate hit, and then, like, there was all this space mm-hmm. stuff on. And then Star Trek actually went through Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. They had a lot of shows. I feel like space stuff on television's kind of died out, which is kind For of sad. Sure. Well, then Force Awakens hits in 2015, and I'm like, ooh, new Star Wars movie, new Star Wars trilogy. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the boom again. We're going to get more space stuff on television. Yeah. And I feel like we're really not. Like, sci-fi has some shows, but they're not... They're kind of all hit and miss. They're yeah. not, like, a big staple. Hey, mm-hmm. here's the big show. So I'm just <laughs> excited for Seth MacFarlane to do this show. It's, it's some cool stuff. So For sure. Okay, and I have one more thing I want to bring up. Where are we at with time, Ryan? 18 minutes. Oh, good. All right, so that's actually a perfect amount of time before we uh, move yeah. on to the list. So... This caught my attention at Comic-Con. It's called Infinity Train. This is a cartoon that's coming to Cartoon Network. Okay. I don't know if it's going to be Adult Swim. Honestly, it looks like it could go either way. Right. It could be a Rick and Morty kind of a thing. What I thought was interesting about it, and this is where I think it's going to catch your guys' attention, is there was a short that was released. It was like an eight-minute short, which I highly recommend you guys watch. But then they released a trailer for the show that's actually happening now. So here's the concept of the trailer. There's a computer in this girl's bedroom, and her mom, you can hear the mom's voice off in the background, calling for her daughter. Mm-hmm. And then the camera pans out the window, and you see her daughter standing in, like, a field looking off into the sunset. Or, like, and there's, like, train tracks or whatever in front of her. And on her hand is a glowing number. It's, like, a 115 or something like that. Okay. It's, like, this glowing number. Not, like, a time, but 115, right? Yeah. And that's where the trailer ends. And I was like, okay, what is this about? <laughs> so then I go and watch the short that was released a while back. It's right. Like I said, it's like an eight-minute short. So check this out. It starts with this: the same girl is on a train. And you see the train pass across the screen and then it focuses on the car she's on. And there's this like, little robot like bouncing on this thing back and forth talking to her. And they're having a conversation. And the number on her hand is different than what we saw in the right. trailer. And they're having this conversation, and she goes, I think it's a weight puzzle. 
and then the robot changes what he's doing, and then this door, and then there's like a click, and then the door opens for the car, and she walks through the train to the next car, and then that car is different, and then she has to get through that car, and then she gets to the next car, mm-hmm. and it's basically like this girl is trapped on this car, this train, and every car is like bizarrely different. Like okay. she walks in, so like <coughs> in the short, she walks through the door into the train car. And it's just wilderness. Okay. And there's corgis running around. Mm-hmm. Like the dog, corgis, right? Mm-hmm. While the one corgi runs up to her and he's got a crown on his head. He says, I'm the king of the corgis, whatever. And he's kind of talking to her. Yeah. And she's like, where are we? And he's like, well, this is where we live. Like, he has no idea. He's completely <laughs> oblivious. So is it is it kind of like a TARDIS or something? It's bigger on the inside than the outside? Clearly, or? Okay. but yeah. I'm not entirely sure. This was okay. a, Here's what was interesting. He told her, he said... She says, well, I got to find the other, the next doorway. And he's like, well, it could be across the river, but the river is more than two feet deep, so we can't cross it. They're Mm -hmm. corgis. They can't cross it because their legs are too short. I thought that was kind of funny. Nice. And so they start, so he takes her to the river. And when they get to the river, this like shadow monster like appears in the Mm -hmm. distance. And the dog freaks out. It's like, that's why we can't cross the river because of the shadow monster. Mm-hmm. Well, she's like, well, I'm going to be brave. So she carries the corgi across the water and he goes with her. Yeah. And when they get up there, the shadow monster is just a spotlight and there's a spider hanging in front of the light. <laughs> but when she kills the spider, the door appears for the next car. Okay. And the number on her hand changes. I have no idea what that means, but I was just like super interested. I was like, so... this is really interesting. And I guess it's from... I guess the guys who did it are, um, they worked on the regular show. Oh, okay. And they worked on stuff like We Bear Bears and, like, some of the other, like, okay. weirder cartoons mm-hmm. on Cartoon Network. But it just seemed like this mystery show that, like, <laughs> had no, like, I didn't really fully understand what was behind it. I'm just like, it just sounds really cool. Interesting. So, I'll definitely want to check that but out. But, yeah, like I said, it's, like, an eight-minute short. It's... So, listening to the description, I feel like it's possible... In the Comic-Con trailer, that while she's standing by the t- train tracks, she's actually in a train car. She could be, or she okay. hasn't got on the train yet. I don't know. I was like, <laughs> it's just called Infinity Train. It just... Cool. I just caught my attention. I'm like, that's something I want to bring up, because I thought... I know... Peter, I know you would think it's really cool. Nice. Ryan, whether you check it out or not, that's <laughs> your call. Yeah. Um, but Peter, I know this would totally be right up your alley. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, that's... That's a cool one. Did they have a release date at all? No. Okay. But, <laughs> well, it's, but, it, but the, all the articles were like, this is a very long-awaited cartoon. Okay. So Sweet. I'm planning on checking it out. So <laughs> Nice. Have you been, before we get to our list, Have you did you watch anything this week? Anything um, noteworthy? I did watch a little movie called uh, Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Has, That's has Ryan right. seen it yet? Or? Okay. Ready Player One is sitting in my house, and I haven't watched it yet. Okay. So. Yeah, it was. Uh, it came out Tuesday, and we made sure to Redbox it right away, but I thought it was awesome. Um, it ends up leading to really awesome things happening towards the end of the Consistently movie. Consistently awesome mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Like, there's, like, big surprises, like, just in terms of, like, <laughs> pop culture, yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Did you catch like did, did a lot of it go over your head at all? Or I caught like, a lot of it? stuff, but I know I want to rewatch it a few times just to search the background for. Well, right. I mean, there's stuff. that. There's a battle sequence where the camera passes across mm-hmm. the screen. You see the Halo Spartans, Ninja Turtles, Battle Toads, the yeah. Overwatch characters. Like it's just there's so much. Stuff. I was uh, actually the one I was most pumped about was seeing Spawn in there. That I did not expect. Where about. was Spawn? It's, uh, because now I'm like, I missed that. So at the, I guess the scene's called the Battle Royale or something. Uh, okay. The end of battle scene. And while everybody's running, like, all the uh, players are running towards the uh, bad guys. I think they were IOI was their name. Um, it shows one shot of Spawn running up. And it's actually pretty sweet because it's Spawn. And then there's, like... Uh, DC characters next to him, like it might be like Batgirl and Harley Quinn or something. And on the other side, there was, I can't remember who was on the other side, but it was just really cool. I did not expect to see that. But I'm gonna like I plan on the watching shot he's it. in. He's right front and center. So, okay, yeah. there's a there's a lot of 
me knowing that I'm going to be watching that movie and pausing <laughs> like every 30 seconds yeah. to look at the background shot of something. I thought another genius thing they did was, I don't know if it was a reference to, but in one of the battle scenes, they just have a giant scorpion running around. So I see that and I'm like, oh, that's like when they fight the scorpion and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But it might not be. They might not have the rights to that, but you can't copyright a scorpion, <laughs> so they just threw it in. Like, I thought that was right. kind of genius. Yeah, the licensing. <clears throat> so I liken Ready Player One to Roger Rabbit in terms For of sure. the licensing agreement because Roger Rabbit was... It was all, like, the Warner Brothers stuff. It was the Hanna-Barbera stuff. It was the Disney cartoons all rolled into one movie mm-hmm. with all this live-action stuff. So... That, I felt, was like a baby step in comparison to the license agreement that they had to put together for Ready Player One. Mm -hmm. Yes, they didn't have the Star Wars license and they didn't have Marvel characters in there, which is fine, because clearly they didn't have the Disney on board for this one this time. But the amount of stuff that's in this movie, I mean, a lot of the references, it's blinking, you miss it. Yeah. Like, there's so many things, and I know that... I'm gonna I'm gonna hear people talk about this movie. Like, I know there's friends of mine, they're gonna watch this from my recommendation... And about 90% of the references are going to go right over their head. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And they're not going to see it. But even if those references do go over your head, just as a movie alone, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can kind of see where it's going and you, and you can kind of predict some stuff. But it's... Yeah. Know. It's cool that uh, some of the references are pretty new, too. Like, they have uh, Overwatch characters and stuff. And, you know, if your finger's off the pulse, you might miss a lot of the newer references, too. Well, so. I like... I liked one of the things they showed the Halo characters running mm-hmm. into battle. Yeah. And then they cut, and you see the real players as the Halo <laughs> yeah. characters running into battle. And yeah. it just kind of made me smile. Like, that's exactly... Like, because they were... And you knew that they were the Halo characters because they're running in the exact way those Halo characters were running. Yeah. Like, they were very smart to <laughs> make people... Mm-hmm. Even when they showed the real world sequences, it just... It flowed really yeah. well. So it also it struck me funny that uh, this movie came out and then Infinity War came out a little bit later, but people still were like, "Infinity War is the most ambitious crossover event in movie history" or something like. Oh, well, this right. isn't even a contender for it. It came out <laughs> a couple months before. But. Right, right. Well, Infinity War encompasses like twenty some films. Right, right. Um, I, I get wait, it. I was but just Infinity kind of War funny. encompasses twenty one films of one universe. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's a crossover, but it's more of like an annual. Yeah. issue of a comic book where Ready Player One is the actual ambitious crossover. Yeah. Like, that's the big crossover. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Ryan, you need to see Ready Player One. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> As Ryan nods his head. All right, man. Let's... How about you? Did you watch anything? Or Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, yes and no. I didn't watch anything new. Okay. Um, Mission Impossible is coming out this week. Yeah. And I'm... I was a big fan of the first Mission Impossible when it came out. I kind of, my fandom has kind of gone up and down, and I've watched all the movies and everything. I'm actually really, really excited for this Mission Impossible. And I don't normally do this with franchises, but I actually went back and rewatched all the Mission Impossible movies this past (laughs) week. (laughs) So I've watched, I basically watched one a night, and Mm -hmm. I'm just all excited and ready to watch Mission Impossible (laughs) this week. That (laughs) sounds awesome. um, I'm probably not going to get to see it until next Tuesday, but at least that's before we record next week, so hopefully I have a review. All right, very cool. Well, do you want to get to our list for the week? Sounds good. Okay, so because this is Comic-Con week, or Comic-Con just came to a close... We and we knew we were discussing comic book stuff. We figured it would be pertinent to, to have a Comic Con related topic. So this week we are discussing our top five favorite Marvel villains. And the only reason we're discussing Marvel tonight is because, well, they decided to skip Comic Con, and we feel that they need to be represented. <laughs> so, yeah. So top five Marvel villains again because we are not doing a year and we're just doing a topic. These are in any particular order. This is just villains that we like. So, Peter, you want to give me your honorable mentions? Sure thing. Um, so before I start, I do want to address, I'm like I'm much bigger of a DC fan than a Marvel fan, and it was fun putting this list together because I actually surprised myself a lot on like, who are my top favorite Marvel villains because I'm like, 
I guess I do like that character a lot. I didn't realize it, but I do. So uh, the first honorable mention, probably really off the wall, but I picked uh, Toad from X-Men. Toad? Um, yeah. So I really just like this character because of his powers. I think the idea of having frog-like or toad-like powers is really fun. Um, he was played by Ray Park. In the I was, was going to mention that because... Uh, and for those of you don't, if you don't have trouble putting Ray Park together, that's Darth Maul in Star mm-hmm. Wars Episode yeah. 1. Yeah, so. that's one, that's another thing is it was cool seeing him played you know i I love ray park uh darth maul is one of my top three favorite star wars characters so it was awesome seeing that um but yeah i just think i like toad's powers but when you actually dig into his backstory you actually find out that he kind of has a pretty tragic backstory that's kind of interesting to relate to because he's basically a kid who because he looked like a toad growing up was picked on like a lot And then he finally joins up with Magneto and the Brotherhood of the Mutants. And, you know, you think he'd actually get respect, but Magneto just treats him like garbage after that. So it's just kind of like he has a really tragic backstory, but he's a cool character. Um, I think the other thing I want to mention is I think my favorite Toad design is the Ultimate X. Yeah, Ultimate X-Men Toad, where he actually had green skin and kind of looked more like a toad than the flesh tone skin color. I read a lot of Ultimate X-Men, and I kind of want to go back and look that up, because I don't remember (laughs) what Toad looked like. Yeah, he he looks a little younger, lankier, long hair, green skin. I remember there was a vacation, a family vacation we went on, and I remember bringing, like, Ultimate X Men Volume One to like fifteen with me on the trip. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm gonna read this. This will be my reading that's for the, the vacation. That's the best. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I have a. I'm gonna give you two. I have a cheat. Okay. I do uh, have another one. Oh, go ahead. We'll, oh, do, we'll, we'll do, do both of them at the same time, or we'll back come, and forth. Let's go back and okay, forth. Okay. Fair enough. We got it. <laughs> let's just continuously try to go back and forth. I mm-hmm. have a. I have a cheat. Mm-hmm honorable mention that's not actually counted i just thought it'd be kind of funny to put it in and i was like i don't know if i want to play the funny card yeah but he's not really a villain either it's j jonah jameson (laughs) okay (laughs) so for those of you who don't know j jonah jameson is peter parker's boss at the daily bugle (laughs) he's definitely definitely an antagonist he's he's definitely an antagonist he's not really like a villain or super villain but it made me laugh because i've always liked him and he's always like the thorn in peter parker's side right and he's the thorn in Spider-Man side. He's like a villain to both of them. Yeah. And he kind of represents both sides of that coin. So I wanted to bring him up just kind of as a cheat. He's not really like an honorable mention. He's just kind of like, you know, if I could put him on a villain list, I'd probably make mm. him an honorable mention. Yeah. He's definitely one of the most memorable Marvel characters, too. Right. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, there he is. Oh, right. Ryan, Ryan looked, up, looked up a picture X-Men for me. Toad, yeah. I actually remember that page in the book. <laughs> <laughs> So my actual first honorable mention is the Brood. Okay, I'm honestly un- unfamiliar with the Brood. The so. Brood, there's really not a good. This is the Brood came about when they decided to take X Men to outer space. Okay, but the Brood, like I'm a really big Alien fan, mm-hmm. and I'm not meaning like aliens like you know Roswell or Area 51. I'm talking aliens like James yeah. Cameron, Sigourney Weaver, Ripley out in space fighting mm-hmm. xenomorphs, aliens. Huge fan of the aliens, mm-hmm. which makes me like bug-like creatures yeah that have like that hive mind mentality the brood is basically the comic book version of aliens okay nice in like a superhero mentality mm-hmm. and that's i've always yeah there you go like there i've oh, always <laughs> really liked the characters there it's it's not really like a character sense where oh hey i like the flash because you know and he's got this big character story arc the right. brood are very hive mind they're very alien-esque mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah, Ryan's looking up nice. pictures to kind of show us. So feel free to look him up if you want. Like, you yeah. know, he's just Google imaging, searching these because he's curious. But mm-hmm. I always just liked the brood just because of that yeah. alien aspect. So nice. Yeah. Um. Actually, if we're going with that, my next honorable mention is actually has a lot to do with his uh, design as well. Is um, Galactus? I added as an honorable mention. Oh. Um, and I picked Gal- Galactus because, and I don't know if I just haven't read the right comics, but I haven't necessarily been drawn especially to his character but i love this guy's design like galactus is a character that just seeing his silhouette you know it's him just seeing galactus's shadow as seen in uh fantastic four rise of the silver surfer or whatever it was called just seeing his shadow you know who it is like this is brilliant character design mile away you know it's galactus um 
even if it's a Galactus cosplayer, obviously he's going to look huge still a mile away. But uh, yeah, I think he's awesome. I love cosmic stories too, so anything with Galactus in it, I really enjoy. So, All right. So my final honorable mention, and this is going to kind of... hes I almost don't count him as a villain, but he's usually portrayed as a villain, and that's Venom. Okay. Now, and you're just like, wow, Venom's a big name, and a lot of fans <laughs> are like, how did that not make your top five? Yeah. The reason Venom doesn't make my top five is because he's... Yes, he's always he's usually a villain, but there's many, many times that he's on the other side of the coin helping Spider-Man. Right. There's a lot of Venom being... He's more of an anti-hero than anything else, but he's also a villain at the same time. He was, mm-hmm. you know, Eddie Brock, who was Peter Parker's rival photographer at the Daily Bugle, and then he gets in contact with the symbiote, and he becomes an enemy to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then something super catastrophic happens, and Venom and Spider-Man got to team up. Yeah. But they're still enemies. They team up for that brief moment, and they split ways, and then Venom's yeah. a bad guy again. And then they got to team up again. So that's the only reason he didn't make a top five, is because he Makes can't sense. always be counted as a villain. <laughs> so... Even in uh, the, the Spider-Man PlayStation game, the first one that came out, you fight with Venom, alongside Venom, for like a big chunk of the game. Right. So. One thing that um, I'm curious about is how intertwined the new Venom movie is going to be with the existing Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Because with the Sony agreement and Marvel Studios, Spider-Man was brought back for Civil War, and then they did yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming and Infinity War, and now we have a Venom movie releasing in October, which is awesome. I'm really excited about it. Venom yeah. looks great in that trailer. Mm-hmm. Where does Venom fall? Is it going to be accounted for in the Marvel Universe now? Yeah. Or is it its own thing? And I guess we're not going to know until we see Venom. Mm-hmm. So. True thing. It's a big wild card, but I'm super pumped for that movie. Um and I'm so I guess I guess if they make any reference to Spider-Man, it's counted. <laughs> That's you true. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Spider-Man until the so- like I don't know. I think the Sony contract goes through the next Spider-Man movie. Right. So as long as it you know, because that's when the contract goes up to renegotiation. Yeah. But as long as they make any reference to Spider-Man, I guess Venom mm-hmm. has to be counted. Yeah. So but I also like that uh in the new Venom movie, they're releasing it on October, so it's going to be like competing with horror movies and i just think that's kind of a cool aspect like they're gonna make it really dark and scary so yeah which is great that. yeah so. <laughs> um so all right well give me your first one on your list man okay sweet so again these are no particular order <laughs> so the first so. one i wanted to mention is another spider-man villain it's actually uh the lizard um i really like um the design of the lizard as well um i think it's a classic design or yeah it's a classic design like it's a mad scientist turns into a turns into a giant lizard he runs around as a giant lizard monster with a lab coat on i love that you can have that design in very old silver age comic books you can have it in newer more realistic comic books you can do it in so many different styles and it always works like it always until amazing (laughs) spider-man first andrew garfield movie the lizard basically never really had a change in yeah, design. Exactly. He was always a giant mm-hmm. lizard in a lab coat. And and you see you just see him and immediately like his design kind of tells a story. Like he's you know this is a like a scientist, not I wouldn't say he's mad, but you know this is a scientist who had an accident turned into this monster. So um I like the character too. I like that he kind of um he does, like, uh, Dr. Connors doesn't necessarily have bad intentions before he becomes the lizard, but kind of the idea of his reptile mind making him go evil is a really interesting concept to me as well, so. I do think it's cool, and I know this is an audio podcast, so mm-hmm. the listeners can't see, but Ryan is Googling every character we bring up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Ryan can see what he looks like if he doesn't know. We'll have to make it a feature on the YouTube channel if that comes out at some point, but... Or we'll get a picture on the website of, you know, Mm -hmm. Ryan Googles. (laughs) So, uh, let's... So, my first one that I'm going to bring up is Ultron. Oh, nice. Um, This kind of comes back to that hive mind mentality that I talked about with the brood. One of the things I always liked about Ultron was, like, the AI aspect of him controlling the other drones. Mm -hmm. And then you had, like, this army of drones controlled by one 
you know, that I always just really liked that. It's like almost yeah, like... It's the, pretty neat. Ultron's like basically the Terminator of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to draw a parallel to another franchise. And, you know, it doesn't matter who came first. This is just, yeah. you know, if you want to fight evil robots, Ultron's like the number one evil robot to go fight. Yeah. And I thought they did such a great... in Avengers Age of Ultron, the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, the book Age of Ultron's great, but the movie that came out, they did such a great job of portraying him. And having James Spader do the voice mm-hmm. was just perfect. Yeah. Like, it's just the line delivery alone. It was so cool, so... I liked that movie a lot, too. I think uh, they had a big challenge because the way Ultron's helmet or headpiece, whatever you want to call it, is originally drawn makes it... It looks awesome, but it's really hard to make a character emote. So they had to completely change up Ultron's design in the movie... I think they did a pretty good job to make something that can actually show emotion, even though it does look awesome when you see those realistic drawings of well, the traditional. Even in the movie Ultron when he couldn't look. before he got the movable face, mm-hmm. and it was just the it was the stagnant Iron Man mask that he was like inhabiting that suit. Right. Yeah. Like you still got the emotion, and it could have mm-hmm. just been how they made the car- the that specific robot look very. Menacing. mangled and menacing okay, because right. it was like it was dripping the oil like it had just gotten <laughs> the crap beat out of it you know? so yeah it was just a really good i just i've always liked ultron who's the mm-hmm. cool villain so nice all right so what else you got so the next character on my list is modok that stands for mechanical organism designed only for killing <laughs> um this is another story of a scientist who worked on a project um with an organization to make himself extremely intelligent uh it obviously goes wrong his head enlarges so huge and he basically becomes evil due to side effects of this experiment i think this as you can tell by my list i pick a lot of characters with striking designs this guy has one of the most striking designs in comics (laughs) um i've been waiting for modok to make an appearance in the marvel movies for a long time it'll be really interesting to see how they do it but i I like that some people do like really cartoony modok some people like some comic artists draw them like really realistic and it just it's kind of i like um a lot of the marvel designs as opposed to dc because a lot of the marvel characters were created a lot later in the 19th or the 20th century um i think a lot of them are just kind of funky and weird like that and i really enjoy that and modok's a perfect example so right on all right so i'm gonna bring up dr doom will be my next one that i'll we'll talk about okay dr nice. doom is like the big i don't know if ryan couldn't find the spelling Oh, I found. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no. <laughs> Doctor Doom is basically he's basically the villain for Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick one villain for the Fantastic Four, it's Doctor Doom. If you're gonna pick like Doctor Doom is probably the number one villain for the Marvel Universe. Period. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking of just sheer popularity. Yeah. We've had a couple movies. We've had one not really good at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, fan four stick came out a little bit ago. <laughs> yeah, um, I say fan four stick because of how the title was written on the poster. Uh, <laughs> <Fan> the <laughs> that's the, funny. Venomized Doctor Doom. Is that for the? Oh, oh yeah, that's probably for the recent Venom. It's for the Venom verse yeah. story arc that Marvel recently did, where everybody was Venom. <laughs> <laughs> the which actually the idea that everyone got you know. In, you know, inhabited by a symbiote was... I mean, that's just kind of cool, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. The the thing about Doctor Doom is he's he's basically the big... He's that big, bad Darth Vader, Emperor-type yeah. character that has the most thought-out plots. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like the big mastermind. Does yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I always liked having villains that are, like, hyper-intelligent. Yeah. Um, with the Fantastic Four films, the first one and the second one, the original ones with Jessica Alba, I liked them. Mm-hmm. I thought for the time for the time period, for the time they they were good. Were, yeah, I really don't understand why a lot of people hate those movies. <laughs> Maybe it's a casting thing they don't like, whatever. But I think at the core, I think they really got those characters right. Mm-hmm. In terms of the portrayal, right? But the actor they chose for Doctor Doom was great. Yeah. Um, but one of the story arcs that really got Doctor Doom to me was Secret Wars. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just the way Doctor Doom was portrayed in that story, that's like one from my childhood. Mm-hmm. That actually, that's one of the story arcs that actually really got me into comic books. But that's the one where Doctor Doom he eventually takes off the mask because he thinks he's dis- he yeah. thinks he's disfigured under the mask, mm-hmm. and eventually he takes the mask off in the comic and he is not disfigured <laughs> at all and he doesn't know he's not disfigured. And yeah, so. Dr. Doom is like this, it's almost like this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of a thing where he doesn't know, what, you know, or maybe the man in the Iron Mask is right. a better way of looking at it. Um, yeah, no, so, that's cool. Yeah, Dr. Doom is my next one. Nice. So. Sweet. Yeah, so what do you got, man? Uh, my next one is the Green Goblin. So, Ugh. you're not a Green Goblin I am fan? not a Green Goblin fan. Really? Okay. Yes, I'll explain, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, so... I, uh, Spider-Man's one of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe, um, so I always enjoyed that dynamic of, um, Norman Osborn being Peter Parker's friend's dad, and that sort of having to play friendly as, like, father and son's friend, but then secretly being, like, villain and superhero fighting each other. Um, I also really love Green Goblin's costume. I like that he's... A lot of people have like men- have said that he's like the Halloween super Halloween themed supervillain because he's like, you know, Green Goblin riding a bat hoverboard thing <laughs> with pumpkin bombs. Like it's just it's right up my alley. Like I love uh, Halloween and horror themed aspects. Um, and yeah, I mean most of the live action versions I've liked a lot as well. Um, I even like uh, Dane DeHaan's. Uh, Harry Harry Osborn, Green Goblin from Amazing Spider-Man 2 a lot. So, yeah, but what is it that you don't like about him? <laughs> so, the Green Goblin... The Green Goblin by himself, I didn't ever really have a problem with. Like, I, okay. like, like the thing you talk about, like, the, like the, the board he flies on is awesome. Yeah. Pumpkin bombs, bombs are cool. The Green Goblin, Norman Osborn stops being Green Goblin, and then... Harry Osborn becomes right. Green Goblin. And then after that, you have Hobgoblin, and then you have Devil <laughs> yeah. Goblin. And yeah. then, like, there's just... Too many goblins. <laughs> no, I, and I think I, I and I think that. I got bored with mm-hmm. the goblins. And this is not comic book level. And this is before the first Tobey Maguire <laughs> Spider Man comes out. So right. I'm already bored of the Green Goblin. It's like Goblin Overload. It's Goblin <laughs> Overload. And then after that, after I'm like already at the peak of my boredom with the Green Goblin, they released the Tobey Maguire Marvel. Mo- uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and I'm like sweet Spider-Man who's yeah. the villain oh it's the Green Goblin <laughs> yeah but it's played by William Defoe, and him being Norman Osborn was great yeah. the problem with Green Goblin in that movie is the Power Ranger suit costume that they <laughs> yeah. put him in it's so funny because and I know we're trying we, I want to be positive on this show and talk about yeah. things we love so like I said no, you, I to mean, eat your own you like Green I, Goblin I'm, great I'm a big fan of the Raimi Spider-Man films and at the time that came out I thought that costume was so good and looking back on it it is like they could have done way better things <laughs> way but better things I still like it in kind of a time and place sort of manner yeah I just thought um, the Goblin story was too confusing there's too much going on yeah. like there's there's too many of them yeah well that know? was part of it too i wanted to pick the original goblin because when i was a kid i used to like the hobgoblin a lot but i think i just like the green goblin more overall right and um, then uh the ultimate spider-man version of the goblin he was like this hulked out i, I like that version of the goblin actually i actually liked yeah. that version too they that mm-hmm. made him a lot more threatening than just the guy on the board have you seen the green goblin in the into the spider-verse animated movie that's coming out i don't think i've seen the goblin for that have you seen i've, the I've trailer seen the trailer but okay. if the, he's in the trailer i don't the know the giant if I winged gargoyle looking creature is the oh. green goblin in that. oh really and he's based on the ultimate spider-man animated series green goblin no. which i think it's kind of cool like it's just cool green uh gargoyle but it's obviously not your traditional green goblin concept sure. so all right so <laughs> uh do we want to move on do you have any more to say about the green goblin um no i'm good yeah okay. we can move on <laughs> my next one is apocalypse sweet uh i have always liked apocalypse he is essentially i realized when i was making this list that I really like the X-Men corner of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah. I always have. Like, I don't have a... Like, if you <coughs> said, Andy, who's your favorite um, DC character of all time, it'd be Batman. Who's right. Andy? I don't know. 
that other guy. <laughs> if you said, uh, if you said, who's your favorite DC character of all time? I'd say Batman, hands down. Mm-hmm. Who's my favorite Marvel character, hands down? I really don't know how to answer that question. I like a lot of them, but I also mm-hmm. like Marvel does a lot more team stuff. I feel than DC does. Yeah. I'm not like I don't gravitate towards any specific book, and I realized when I was working on this list that I liked the um, X Men a lot. Yeah, and Apocalypse is like one of the big bads for the X Men. Mm-hmm. The X Men are you know the mutants. They were born with the powers that they have, and you know they're growing up in this. And the X Men book was always meant to be almost like a social commentary on racism. Mm. So you're dealing with this racist stuff anyway. So here's you got the the world against the mutants basically, and then you have this guy Apocalypse comes up who is essentially the very first mutant mm-hmm. back like from Egypt. So I just I always liked that idea of the history aspect. Yeah, Egyptology is something awesome. that always really like you know got my attention and stuff. So anyway, yeah. so I like Apocalypse a lot too. He almost made my list. Um, I did want to ask, what did you think of uh, the Age of Apocalypse X Men movie? I really liked it. Okay. Um, okay. Yes, I really liked Age of Apocalypse or Apocalypse. Was it Age of Apocalypse? I think it was just Apocalypse. Oh, you're X-Men right. X Men Apocalypse. Yeah. I liked it a lot. No, finding out that Oscar Isaac was Apocalypse. How about this? When they first showed the picture of Apocalypse and he looked like Ivan Ooze like from Power Rangers, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that got everybody like that got the internet in a huge uproar. Like, wow, you guys messed up Apocalypse. Yeah, I I think it was more of a the lighting was bad in that picture. I don't think that ever was intended for him to look like that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I thought he looked great mm-hmm. and it worked really well. Yeah. I do wish there was. I do wish the fight scene with him at the end was a little bit more than it was. Okay. But for the powers that they were dealing with, and they had to incorporate everybody, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And the lead-in to get Jean Grey to be the Dark Phoenix, yeah, that was, was really that well was done. a really cool thing because the next movie coming is Dark Phoenix for X Men Saga. So yeah, um, I, I liked uh, I liked Age of Apocalypse pretty well. I um, it was really cool how they incorporated, uh, Psylocke, um, played by Olivia Munn. Like, she looked exactly like, it was like, oh, picture perfect like, from hey, the comic book. we're not doing this character unless we can make <laughs> yeah. it exactly like, a, you know, we can act, make it exactly like the character. And the then, book. um, the other thing from that movie is that last fight scene, like, the colors and the cinematography in it is just so beautiful. Like, they're on these cliffs, but these the cliffs are like these real this like really beautiful like coral color and stuff, and it's just really a striking scene in my opinion. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But he's just I just really liked him as a villain. So mm-hmm. all right, man. Nice. Okay, so for my next villain, we are gonna take a trip back in time to uh, when I was in middle school and I was playing a PlayStation One game called Marvel vs. Capcom. Okay, so Marvel vs. Capcom is one of my favorite fighting games ever. Um, I used to play a ton of it, and the funny thing is I'm not that good at fighting games, but I love watching them because it's, you know, a bunch of cool characters fighting. This is great. So I played that game a lot. I think my favorite characters were uh, Wolverine and the Hulk. I played a lot of both of them while playing it, but I kept playing it until I finally got to the end guy. And the end guy was this giant Magneto-looking guy called Onslaught. And I was like, who is Onslaught? This is awesome. I thought at the time this was a end guy made up for this game. you know. But I, I just thought it was the coolest looking guy ever. He was really hard to beat. Anyways, move forward a couple years in high school. I hear some kids in my class who I didn't even know they were that into comics. But... I hear them behind me in class talking about comic books one day, and they started talking about Onslaught, and I was like, wait, Onslaught's an actual character? This is <laughs> this is crazy. So then looking more into it, you know, I learned that uh, Onslaught is uh, kind of an amalgamation of the darker parts of uh, Magneto and Professor X's mind right. that ended up becoming its own entity at one point, um, kind of like this psionic energy inside this Magneto-looking armor. Um and, you know, it's, it's kind of like a really convoluted backstory, but I think because of the character's design and just that experience of learning about the character through a game and then learning about him in real life, he's just like kind of like a benchmark character for me right. in a lot of ways. So um, That's funny that you bring up Onslaught as yeah. your next character because the next character I was going to bring up was Magneto. Okay, nice. Um, Segways. It, it, Magneto... <laughs> <laughs> 
Magneto kind of falls under that Doctor Doom thing for me in terms of like the big bad, the guy with yeah. the agenda, the guy with the master plan. Yeah. But Magneto's powers always kind of fascinated me, being able to control metal and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you see how they've handled them in the movies, and, yeah. And that kind of it's just it's just kind of like almost spellbinding to watch. And then yeah. you have Michael Fassbender. Like, yes, Ian McKellen was a good um, Magneto back from the you know first X Men movies, but mm-hmm. then casting Michael Fassbender as Magneto. Yeah. I always looked at Magneto as a villain, and I never really, like, tried to idealize with Magneto mm-hmm. when I was watching those movies or reading the comics. Yeah. And then they cast Michael Fassbender and gave Magneto a story that I could, like, get behind. And mm-hmm. I suddenly was like, this is a tragic story. Yeah. This is a character who's, like, seen some stuff. You know what For I mean? Sure. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. And I suddenly f- started my finding myself feeling empathetic towards the character. Yeah. Which made me really like Magneto. So then you see his burgeoning relationship with Raven, who is also Mystique, but you see yeah. him, like, you know, that going on. And it's just, I really liked the. Magneto has just very heavily grown for me. Okay. So nice. I, I do like the younger Magneto with Michael Fassbender a little bit better than the older version. Okay. But if I had to pick an era of Magneto, but that's just, you know, maybe because of the. Maybe it's because of Fassbender's work that's drawn me that direction. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think both of them have done really good performances. and. Uh, but I will ask you this question. Yeah. Would you say it Magneto or would you say it Magneto? Magneto. Okay. <laughs> I think we've all been conditioned to say Magneto, but I'm going to point this out. Is you don't say Magnet to hang on your refrigerator. I hang a magnet on my refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why it can't be Magneto. Right. <laughs> and I know that our brother Scott is listening to this screaming at me going, no, it's Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe Fair I'll enough. call it Magneto just to drive him nuts. <laughs> so Sounds yeah, great. Magneto is, you know, or Magneto is my next one. So Nice. Uh, should I move on to my last one? Your last one okay. on list. So my last one, uh, previously heard on Andy's honorable mentions, is Venom. <laughs> I think, uh, I know that he's more of an anti-hero at times, but he definitely, from when he first came out, was a villain, and he has been a villain a lot. Um, but Venom, I think, is one of my favorite, uh, is probably my favorite Marvel vin- villain. Like, he looks awesome, he's got really cool powers, um... He's, I mean, Todd McFarlane helped create it, or yeah, Todd McFarlane helped create him. He's one of my favorite comic book artists, artists of all time, and uh, I mean, I don't know what to say too much that you didn't say before. But. Well, so I think it's cool that in this list between the two of us, we actually matched one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honorable mention or not, we actually yeah. matched a pick. But what I think is really cool that you chose Venom for your last one to discuss mm-hmm. is my last one to discuss is Carnage. <laughs> okay, so <sweet. laughs> uh, So let's talk about this, because Venom and Carnage kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, here. for sure. And since the last pick, it's kind of like almost fitting that we're discussing this. So Spider-Man gets... the. There's a couple different ways that the symbiote suit actually becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. I think the most well-known way that the symbiote suit becomes an entity <coughs> within the Marvel comics is Spider-Man, during the Secret Wars story arc... Mm-hmm. All the heroes and villains are taken to a planet called Battleworld created by the Beyonder, and they have to kind of fight their way off. Like, last man standing is going to get to mm-hmm. go back to Earth, but they end up joining forces and, you know, fighting the Beyonder to get off. Yeah. And that space, Spider-Man is given a black suit, mm-hmm. which everyone's like, oh, black suit Spider-Man is usually <laughs> yeah. everyone's favorite. But the black suit is actually an alien entity called the Symbiote, or Symbiote, however you pronounce that. And I know there's been some stuff online recently on how to pro- properly pronounce that. <laughs> but he gets the symbiote suit. The thing about it is it gives him like heightened heightened abilities beyond what he already has. Yeah. But hyper-aggression as well. So Spider-Man is now like... He's extra angsty. Um, if everyone remembers the Spider-Man 3 movie that Tobey Maguire mm. was in. Uh, very emo Spider-Man. Yeah. But he realized he couldn't control the aggression 
and the anger that the suit was causing him. So he yeah. had to cast away the alien. And, this, and one of the scenes that was really cool in that movie was him casting off the suit. Yeah, for sure. Very much like the comic where him, he's, he's pulling the alien off of him in shreds. While slamming into the church bell. To yeah, use and the, the church uh, bell is like, you know, creating the sonic waves that are mm-hmm. disrupting the alien. So he has to, so he's like yeah. pulling it off of himself. But once he gets it off of himself, the alien is angry that Spider-Man cast it away. And the alien goes and, like, attaches himself to Eddie Brock. Yeah. Eddie Brock then becomes Venom. Mm-hmm. Right? I think they're going to handle Eddie Brock, who is, like, kind of down on his luck at the time, too. Right. So and he's, to- and he's, Peter Parker's, yeah. and he's Peter Parker's rival photographer at the Daily Bugle. Yeah. So they already have that, you know, battle. Well, he becomes Venom, and I think they're going to handle the Venom origin a little differently in the movie that's coming. But he would then... Later, Venom is in prison, and he's, mm-hmm. is he, I don't remember if he was cellmates, or the guy was just in the jail with um, him. I was researching a little bit for the list, and I saw that they were cellmates, actually. Okay, so, so yeah. Cle- it's Cletus Cassidy, yep. right? Okay, so Cletus Cassidy, they're cellmates, and Eddie Brock gets cut, and a piece of the symbiote comes out of him, and attaches himself to Cletus yeah. Cassidy, who's a known serial killer. Mm-hmm. And then the symbiote takes over him, and then... Because he's a serial killer, with his sociopathic tendencies, <laughs> is just an enraged version of Venom. Right. And this is almost like, it's it's pure chaos. Mm-hmm. So when he does get out and he goes on this massive killing spree through New York and he like starts putting teams together and like <laughs> finding like all his best buddies that are just going to go around and run, you know, hey, Hobgoblin's in that one. <laughs> he teams up yeah. with Carnage. But Carnage basically, it's true to his name, he's pure chaos and a killing spree wreaking Carnage across New York. Mm-hmm. But where I really got into Carnage, it's always been like a Venom and Carnage. And this is one of those things where Venom and Spider-Man teamed up together to take down Carnage. Mm-hmm. But the Maximum Carnage story arc is one of my all-time favorite Spider-Man stories. And that's one when I was a kid. I I have the I have the graphic novel of it, but I also have every issue like nicely bagged and bored and set aside mm-hmm. in my collection. And it's one of the few so. series I have too. Yeah, it's such a it's such a cool series. But I just think it's cool that we both chose like the two <laughs> yeah. sides of the Venom I, Carnage coin there. So I just also like want to say like the symbiote um, or symbiote whatever symbiote. Whatever, however you want to pronounce it, I just think the concept of it is so cool, which always dry, draws me to it. Right now, I've never, I have not read the Venom verse, any of the Venom verse Marvel stuff. I haven't read any of it either. When I heard that they were doing that, I was kind of curious, but I have really enjoyed the artwork, seeing Wolverine as Venom and seeing <laughs> Gwen, uh, mm-hmm. Spider Gwen as Venom, and seeing like all these other characters get kind of venomized because <laughs> yeah. they're all being hooked mm-hmm. to the symbiote. But the symbiote, um. The symbiote saga in general was always really cool, mm-hmm. but Carnage was definitely probably one of my favorites just because of the, you know, yeah. just because of the villain aspect, just in terms of a bad guy. So yeah, it's an awesome pick. Yeah, um, well, that kind of brings us to the end of our top fives. Sweet. What um, it's your pick for next week. So okay. what's our list? Yeah. So um, okay. So now the uh, the shrapnel and the dust from Comic Con has kind of settled. And uh, I was trying to think of what am I looking forward to? Uh, what's the next thing to look forward to? So for me personally, it's actually uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. <laughs> so okay. I'm like a lukewarm fan of the show. But everything I've seen for this movie is just hilarious and awesome. And I can't wait to see it. Like it looks like such a good way to poke fun at the DC Universe, even though it's part of the DC Universe, and a way to poke fun at other superhero movies while also loving and embracing everything about superhero movies. So I thought it'd be fun to do a top five list of other movies that make fun of movies. So I was thinking we could do our top five favorite parody movies for next week. Ooh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So when you say movies that make fun of movies, so like the Scream, sorry, these scary movies, s- scary movies make fun of Scream. So Airplane is like a was, parody of Airport. I'd like to keep um, it things that mostly parody things, not like, this movie has one scene that's kind of like this. So, like, not another teen movie is a I parody think, of I think all, I would, all the teen movies. Yeah, I think I would include that. Yeah. You would allow that one. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, like Hot Shots to Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's another good one? 
Spaceballs to Star Spaceballs Wars. Spaceballs to Star Wars. Okay, yeah, parody movies. That's actually really kind of cool. Okay, cool. So that's that's next week's list. Great. So next week we're going to be talking parody movies as a whole. Is there anything else you wanted to you know, bring up? Any Comic-Con news lastly that caught your attention that's worth mentioning a real quick spot before we close out for the evening? Um, so people aren't upset that we didn't talk about it. Godzilla King of the Monsters looks awesome. <laughs> I'm really pumped for King Ghadira and Mothra and Rodan and that, so. I, I was shocked at the amount of, the sheer amount of monsters in the trailer. That's <laughs> yeah. what made me go, holy cow, you guys mm-hmm. are really going for it. So, because yeah. Godzilla King of the Monsters is going to lead into King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> for sure. Uh, which they've already announced, and if you saw Kong Skull Island, that was a just a buttload of fun. Mm-hmm. They do have the helicopter equivalent in that movie of overshooting your gun. <laughs> if you watch, this X number of helicopters on the boat, which is like three or four, okay. and then 12 of them leave the boat. <laughs> so Nice. And then later you'll see more helicopters come in, and you got to ask yourself where those helicopters come from. So either way, the movie's a boatload of fun. So for closing this out, um, you can catch, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. It's both, it's the same in both places. Uh, the website is still being worked on. We're going to launch everything together probably when we get to like episode five or six. So for right now, the website will be top5report.com. Peter, do you want the, can, can, where can the people find you? <laughs> yeah, so uh, the best p- place to find me would be on uh, Twitter, at Ninja Pierre. Um, I also have my Instagram linked there, as well as a uh, webcomic I do called Freak Saber that's linked in my bio. Ryan, what about you? No? I'm vacant. Vacant, all right. <laughs> Ryan doesn't like the social media. Well, until we discuss parody movies next week, which actually sounds like a really fun list to put together. <laughs> Uh, for, for the top five report, I am Drew. I'm Peter. Good night. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week.